Hey fellow romance readers, I'm Amy. And I'm Sarah, and this is Post Book Depression. You know that feeling you get when you finish a good book that you didn't want to end? Have you finished a book and just weren't ready to move on from the story and its beloved characters? You find yourself needing just a little more? Well, this multi-trope romance podcast gives you the opportunity to dig deeper with us into books we love as we discuss all the reasons we can't move on. Feeling chatty? You can continue the conversation with us on Instagram at Post Book Depression Podcast or on Facebook in our Post Book Depression discussion group. We would love for you to subscribe to our podcast and take a brief moment to leave a review. Are you ready? Let's discuss. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show. I'm Amy. And I'm Sarah. And we are celebrating. Today is our podcast first birthday. And to help us celebrate, we have a very special guest with us. Yes, we are thrilled so much to have extremely talented and perfecter of angsty romance author (laughs) Jennifer Hartman with us today. Welcome, Jennifer. Hi, thank you guys so much and happy birthday. Thank Thank you. you. Congratulations on all of your success so far. We've seen so much of you in social media lately, which is so exciting for us to witness. Do you feel like social media has put you in front of new readers lately? Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, I am very shy and introverted, so it took a lot for me to kind of put myself out there. Um, But everybody has been so kind and welcoming and supportive in the community. And it's been amazing. And yeah, I could not, I would not be where I am without, you know, Instagram and my readers and social media. So it's been a blessing. I love that. (laughs) Okay, so we want to kickstart with a little game. It's a little icebreaker that we're going to do. It's this book lovers edition. So we're going to ask you to choose one or the other. Okay. Okay. You ready? Let's do it. Okay, so dog ear or bookmark? Bookmark. Bookmark. Happily ever after or tragic ending? Oh my God, I'm terrible, but I do love tragedy. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't know that from all the angst. Right? right. (laughs) I'm a tragedy lover too. (laughs) I know, oh my God. (laughs) I need the blend of both. I feel like you blend them. You give us the tragedy with the happily ever after. I get it, yeah. (laughs) Okay, spoilers or no spoilers. Now this is controversial between her and I. So I'm curious. Um, I would, yeah, I would say no spoilers for me. I like to go in as blind as possible. (laughs) Yes. I go in blind, but if it gets too angsty, I have to skip to the back just to see if (laughs) it's going to be okay. Oh my gosh. I can't. I try not to. I try not to. I know. Shame on me. It's a big deal. (laughs) I don't like it. Okay. Everybody calm down. Right. Uh, read with silence or with background noise or music? I have to read generally with silence, but sometimes I will have like a fan going in the background for just like a little bit of background noise. I can't do music though, because then I just start listening to the music and then I can't multitask. (laughs) Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mood reader or read planned TBR. Definitely a mood reader. I cannot plan for the life of me. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Okay. Audiobooks, ebooks, or hard copy books? Um, I prefer hard copy, but I'm kind of a picky reader. So I do use Kindle Limited. So generally I would say ebook. And then I buy the paperback if I love it. <laughs> That's me. Yeah, That's me how too. we are. Yeah. Okay. Uh, multiple books at a time or one at a time? Uh, one at a time, for sure. I have a squirrel brain, so I will forget wherever I am. I'd be like, what stories what? So I, ha- I have to do one at a time. Yeah, Same. I get a little overwhelmed because sometimes we see on Instagram people who will do 
multiple books at one time. And I think I can't, I could I mean that. I can't do that. <laughs> are you a binge? I can't either. Are you a binge reader or a, I what? a binge reader or a slow reader? Um, I am, I would say I'm a slow reader. Um, I have so much going on with family life and in writing and everything that it's hard for me to go back to back, even though I'm tempted. I generally, usually I'm like one book a week. So I try. <laughs> That's great. How about enemies to lovers or friends to lovers? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, gosh, I would have to say I I gravitate towards enemies to lovers, um, but friends to lovers with like a rich childhood history that just kind of hits different. So um, it's really close when it comes to that. <laughs> All right, this is a huge um, like debate between Sarah and I. Do you prefer a standalone okay. or a series? I prefer a standalone. <laughs> I. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I prefer standalone because like I said, I am picky, but I'm also someone that like, if I get so far into something, I feel like I have to continue. So if I'm like not loving it, but I'm still kind of like invested, I'll feel like I'm forced to go on. (laughs) So generally standalones, I can kind of bounce around. Um, but I have read a few series that I've loved. I just, I generally, I am geared towards standalones. Sarah wants to know the life history of every relative, friend, potential friends they may have in the future. I mean, the whole bit. When you have these little nods to characters that we've read before to me, that's like, I'm like, that's that's kind of a series. Like, you know? I yeah, I I get it. It's like if they alone, they're good. Yeah. Right. I need more. So, but that's okay. It's okay. Stand all, right. all the way. Yes. <laughs> How about forbidden romance, <laughs> forbidden romance or marriage of convenience? Okay. So I'm on a huge marriage of convenience and fake dating tropes right now. I'm loving that, but um, I would have to say overall, I, I love forbidden. That's my favorite, my favorite trope. All yeah. Right. How about big books or small books? And for the purposes of this question, we'll say big books are defined as 400 pages or more. Um, I would say I prefer shorter books. I, I generally like books between like three and 400. That's kind of the sweet spot for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do like if I'm really invested, like I just read an almost a thousand page book by Pe- Pepper Wars that was amazing. Um, but just because I, I am so busy, I like to try to keep it a little on the shorter side. Was that the moth book? The moth and the bee? It, yes. Oh, I can't wait. It to read. sure was. <laughs> did you read, side note, sorry, did you read The Boy and His Ribbon Duet? Um, yes, that is my number one favorite story of all that time. So. <laughs> For diehard fans it, of that story. It destroyed us. It destroyed us. <laughs> That's right. So good. Okay. Yes, absolutely destroyed. Mm-hmm. Slow burn or fast action? Slow burn for sure, 100%. I know that's how you tend to write your stories, but I didn't know if that was how you preferred your reads. All I right, do, last, yes. Last one, DNF, or do you power through those books you're not driving with? Um, I usually I usually power through. I feel bad DNFing. Um, once in a great while, if the book is really long and I know kind of like very close, you know, not too far into it that it's not for me, I will. But generally, if I hit like the 40%, I'm, I'm in it. <laughs> 
me. I love that. Well, that's quirky with us. Yeah, I can't. Well, it is no secret we are big fans of yours, Jennifer. Jennifer, Sarah, and I actually read your entire catalog when we discovered you back in 2021, and just love all of your work. Oh my god! In fact, we did. uh, We covered June first on a past podcast episode. Love that book. It actually made our top 2022 reads for um, last year. So, but just in case some of our listeners aren't familiar with you and your work, would you mind just telling us a little bit about your background, how you got started and how it's going? Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's going phenomenal. It's very surreal. It's been kind of a whirlwind. Um, I started writing at a young age, just, you know, like poetry and fan fiction. Um, And then I had started writing a book back in probably 2009. Um, um, I got pretty far, almost halfway through the book. And then I started having children and settling down. And I was just like, what's the point? I'm not good enough. You know, this is too hard. So I put it aside. Um, and then another decade went by. And um, my husband and I both were laid off for COVID. It was uh, 2020. And he's like, you should start writing again. I was like, I don't know. But at the same time, it's like, I didn't have anything else to lose at that point. So um, I basically stayed up all night just reading through this book I had, you know, started a decade prior. Um, and I was like, okay, maybe there is something here. And that, that ended up being Aria, which was the first book that I published in um, spring of 2020. Um, and then readers seemed to really enjoy it. And it wasn't a cliffhanger. But um, as I had mentioned that I like tragic love stories, it did end like kind of like a bittersweet, not happily ever after as much as I liked it. Um, that way, I ended up making a sequel where they got their HEA. Um, so yeah, that it kind of started there, I, I gained a little bit of a fan base. And then I wrote Still Beating, which was just kind of this like depraved little nugget I had in my head. Um, for years and years, I was a big uh, Criminal Minds fan. So I was like, what if I took this like twisted kind of Criminal Minds-esque story and wove it in with like a romance? So that's kind of what I did. And I had intended on putting it under a pen name because I was like, oh my God, if my father reads this, we can never make eye contact ever again. <laughs> this is mortifying. Um, but I had a couple beta readers who really, really believed in it and thought that I should own it and, you know, put it out there under my name. So I did. And I was just very blessed that it seemed to kind of make the rounds and the dark romance groups and got a bit of a buzz on on Facebook and social media. And that was kind of it. It just it really took off after that. And it's been crazy. <laughs> so as a new author, I'm curious how I mean, because you you just basically said you started rewriting in 2020. So how did you get your name yeah. out there? Because you've, I mean, you've really um, blown up in that short span mm-hmm. and not a lot of, not a lot of authors have that success like you've had. Yeah. Um, gosh, I don't, I mean, I don't want to say it's luck, but I, I really don't know. Um, I was very active in book groups. So um, it was, it was awesome that I was able to make kind of genuine connections before I even started writing. So a lot of those people that, you know, I bonded with, you know, they asked to beta read my book and, um, a girl posted in like the dark and dirty romance group. Um, and it kind of took off from there. So it was just kind of like this domino effect. Um, and it really was from being engaging and active on social media that I feel like I kind of, you know, got that initial, you know, buzz going. So yeah, um, I know it's not for everybody. I know a lot of authors like to stay behind the scenes and I totally understand that. But um, that's really kind of how it took off for me was just putting myself out there. I love that. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Okay. So you where do you get your writing ideas from? Like what is what is it that has inspired you? Because you mentioned criminal minds. What 
that kind of helped with the still beating, what else do you look at? Like, where do you get your ideas from? Oh gosh. Um, so I feel like kind of the tone of writing, I was, this is kind of embarrassing, but I was obsessed with Buffy the Vampire Slayer when I was growing up. I was so obsessed. And, um, I was into like the Buffy spike romance. If anybody knows I'm aging myself, but it was kind of this like, (laughs) I'm right there with you. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I love you. I love it. Um, yeah, it was kind of just like this tragic enemies to lovers forbidden. Mm -hmm. And just the writing of that whole show was just kind of like the dry humor and the inner turmoil and the angst and character driven stuff. And it really just kind of like got my wheels spinning. I was already into writing. Um, and yeah, it, it, that's kind of how I got my tone. And then as for individual stories, it's hard to it's hard to say. Um, I wish I had like a cool answer for this, but it really just kind of comes to me, you know, in the middle of nowhere, I'll just be, usually it starts with like a either a character or a relationship dynamic I'm itching to write. Um, for example, in Lotus, I was just dying to write a character like Oliver, who was kind of just new to the world and an innocent, sheltered from society. That was what I was craving to write. So I wove the entire story around just the character I wanted. Um, and then June 1st, I was just dying to write like my first taboo um, story, but not make it too, you know, over the top taboo. Like it still had that sweetness and, you know, genuine love story to it. But um, yeah, I was like, what can I do that's taboo? That's kind of forbidden that I can still bring, you know, some sweetness to. So yeah, it just kind of, it's whatever I'm inspired to. Usually the story comes after like just like the genuine like character story that I want to write. So what does the writing process look like for you? Do you have, do you do an outline or tell us a little, Sarah really wants to know what your habits are. Do you eat and snack while you write? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, uh, probably more than I should. I'm actually trying to get in better habits there because it's really hard. (laughs) It's such like a stationary job, you know, you're just sitting around and writing. Um, So it's so easy to just like, I eat when I'm bored. So I'll just munch and stuff. But um. Yeah, I uh, generally write best in the morning. So I usually have my coffee and then I sit down for a few hours and write. Um, As for outlining, I am absolutely terrible with that. Most of my stories, like I just wrote out of all my books, the book that I probably winged it the most was the one I just finished, which was, um, I just announced it's called The Stars Are On Our Side. It's a follow-up to Still Beating and Lotus. Um, So it includes characters from both of those books. And that was a story that I had to reference multiple books And so I should have had an outline for it, but I just like, I kept doing stuff. And then I was like, no, that's changing. That's changing. So I ended up scrapping the whole thing and just wrote it just, all right, here's a new chapter. Let's see what we're going to do today. Um, And yeah, I'm not, I'm not very good at outlining. I try and sometimes I'll get like a sentence per chapter, like, okay, this needs to happen here and this needs to happen. And then I just let like the, the flushing out just kind of happen. (laughs) My muse are the word. Do you write it from front to end or do you skip around? Um, no, I write pretty linear. So I generally write from the beginning to the end. Um, I have tried skipping around occasionally, but I find that I like to go on the journey with the characters. Um, so it really helps when I get to the more emotional scenes or the steamy scenes that I'm able to kind of bring more effect to it because I'm right there with them at that point in time, um, if that makes sense. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So. I imagine that it's very, it's a, it takes a lot when you're writing a book. So when you write afterwards, do you feel energized by what you've just written or do you feel exhausted and drained or does it kind of depend on the scene you've just written on how you feel afterwards? 
Yeah, I pretty much anytime I get like a really good writing session in where I feel happy with what I wrote and got a lot of words in, I'm super energized. Like I, I'm on top of the world. Um, even if I just wrote a horrible cure jerker scene, I feel great. <laughs> because it's just it's very it's a very rewarding feeling that you know, it's like my muse is fickle, creativity is fickle. So it's those days are really hard when you're just kind of staring at the screen and nothing's happening or you're writing stuff and backspacing every five seconds. So when you're really able to write something that speaks to you, that you feel like is effective, um, it's just a really great feeling. It's definitely an adrenaline rush. Oh, that's awesome. Do you, <laughs> do you find yourself modeling any of your characters around people that you know? You know, not really. A lot of people ask me that and I don't really, um, maybe because I'm such an introvert. I like don't, I don't know many people. <laughs> I have like my friends I grew up with, but I, I have a very small family um, and I don't get out that much. I'm such a homebody. But um, no, I would say the closest I ever came was I have um, in the Thorns Remain, the, the hero, his daughter was nine. Her name was Summer. Um, I kind of modeled her after like a mix between my daughter who was nine at the time and her best friend. They were kind of a blend. They were super into like anime and, you know, makeup videos and stuff at the time. So that was probably the closest I got. But generally everyone's kind of their own character. That's great. That's awesome. So we know that there's a lot of emotions that we feel after we've read your books, you really, you can really draw the emotions <laughs> out of us. So do you Aww. think that someone could be a writer if they don't feel emotions strongly? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there's, you know, stories for everyone. And some people, if they don't thrive in that angsty, emotional, um, evocative type of storytelling. Um, I mean, there's, you know, there's other types of stories, rom-coms, mm -hmm. um, you know, thriller novels, things like that. So, you know, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think because there's a lot of writers who are brilliant and they're definitely more of the analytical, you know, logical, rational side of the brain mm -hmm. versus the emotional side, I guess. Um, and I've read a lot of authors like that and they're, they're brilliant and they, they work on other strengths. They're really good at plotting and, um, you know, pacing and things like that. So yeah, absolutely. So some of the, the books that you've written have character connections. you got Still Beating, Lotus, June 1st, and the new book that you have just announced. So are you trying to write just this collaborative collection, even though those can stand alone on their own? Do you prefer like the standalones as you like to personally read, or yeah. are you trying to build a collective work where there are kind of a lot of cross character connections? Yeah, you know, it's, um, I like standalones, but it's really fun, especially because readers are often like, oh my gosh, I really, I need to see this character. And there's a couple characters that I get like the most, you know, um, questions about. And that's Tabitha was one of them from Still Beating and Lotus. Um, and I really, really loved writing Gabe, who was the secondary character in Lotus, who's Oliver's stepbrother. So um, that was one that I had really put at the forefront. So when my publisher came to me wanting, um, you know, they picked up three of my books that were the interconnected or the interconnected standalones. They wanted one more book. This was the first one I thought would be the best because it kind of went in with those. And I had been dying to write it for a long time anyway. So, um, so yeah, I mean, some of my books will have little, just little tiny mentions of characters for, you know, little Easter eggs, I guess you could say for readers. Um, and then some will have nothing. And then some will be like, you know, big things like, oh my gosh, that character was the main character in this book or, you know, so. <laughs> Love that. So what was an early experience where you learned that language had power? Um, gosh, um, I would say, do you mean like throughout my entire life or just in my writing career? Yeah, like throughout your entire life, your writing career, however you, where you just thought 
man, this, this really impacts people. Yeah. I mean, I would say it was probably, um, it's probably after I wrote the wrong heart. Um, I, you know, I get a lot of people messaging me and saying, oh my gosh, I love this book. You know, I stayed up all night. I cried. Um, but somebody messaged me when I wrote the wrong heart and said that like the book saved their life. Um, and they were completely just like, you know, completely vulnerable with me and said that they were genuinely considering giving up and they read my book and they chose not to. So that was, um, that was probably the the biggest moment for me. I still think about that and I just get like goosebumps. It was, it's very, um, humbling and it's just incredible. And that's something I ever anticipated. You know, I just wanted to make people feel and laugh and kind of get lost in a story. But when I genuinely have someone saying that I affected their life to that, you know, point, um, yeah, there's really like no words for that. So I know, I mean, I think yeah. it, they mean to us when we read it. So if you were to have somebody who's really going through something and they tell you that it's just, that's a lot of, yeah, special. yeah that's a lot of power. Yeah, very. You mentioned earlier that you had started writing earlier on and then you kind of took a break. So this question kind of falls to that is if you could tell your younger writing self anything, what would it be? Because you started and then you took this kind of break and then started again. So what did yeah. um, I would tell I would tell myself to um, just be brave. I, I feel like I have let fear hold me back from so many things in life. I've kind of dipped my toes into a million different things that I've never fully gone all in um, until it, it's come to writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like to believe everything happens at the right time. So, you know, it was, it was meant to be at this time. But I would like to tell her just to be brave and, you know, to go for it. And not even just with writing, but with all things in life. So I feel like I'm almost free. I'm 38 years old. And I feel like I'm finally just kind of like finding myself, you know. But um, there's no time limit. So... <laughs> Love That's that. true. That's so encouraging. <laughs> I needed to hear that. <laughs> yes, there is no time limit. I'm always curious how many unpublished or unfinished books authors have. Mm. Tell us about how many you have. Um, I don't have any full books that are unpublished, but I did start writing a book um, last year that I got close to halfway done with, and I ended up putting it on the back burner. It just wasn't, I wasn't connecting to it the way that I wanted to. There was a lot of like external plots going on and it was getting me kind of twisted up and, you know, overthinking things, I guess. So I put that on the back burner. It was like a dark romance. Um, I plan to come back to that, but that's the only one that had any significant, you know, um, word count to, I guess. I have a few books that I've had like paragraphs and little quotes that I want to use in titles, but nothing too significant. I heard an author just last week talk about how she kind of the catch 22 for authors is that while you're writing your current book, you're always thinking about the next one. And she made the statement that the book that she's really has been on her heart, which would be the next one she can't put out until next year. So I'm curious, do you have, cause I would feel like that would kind of stifle the creativity a little bit. Do you have the flexibility if one book is just really speaking louder than what you're currently writing to set that aside and move on to one that is speaking to you? Um, you know, I have a hard time doing that. That does happen though. Absolutely. Almost every time I'll get like halfway through a book and then this other idea will come to me and I'll just be so inspired to write it. But I kind of just take it as, you know, they have to wait their turn. <laughs> like I feel like I, I I owe it to myself unless I genuinely feel like the book I'm writing is not working, which happened that one time. Um, I want to see it through and put my whole heart into it. So I 
once in a while, if I get a couple scene ideas, I'll throw it into a separate document um, and then come back to it. But I really just kind of uh, compartmentalize that and uh, just put it aside and just get excited for when I'm able to tackle it. That's great. (laughs) Okay. So having read all of your stuff, we know that your characters, a lot of times they face just these unimaginable situations, <laughs> which I loved the Instagram post you put out a few weeks ago, where it's like, did I read that correctly? Is it? Like, yes, you did. <laughs> With right. all the like, yes. yes. So knowing that they all face these unimaginable uh, scenarios in life, what was the hardest scene that you had to write? Um. Well, the hardest, the hardest scene I've ever written was the epilogue of the wrong heart. Um, I'm not sure if you guys read that one, but that was the hardest personally. It took me like two days to get through, like it was a super short chapter, but it took me a long time to get through it. So that was the most difficult from an emotional standpoint. Um, and I would say still beating, um, that third act, um, scene where the characters separate, that was probably the other really like the heart, one of the hardest scenes I've written. And I think, cause that was just such an emotional story and they had come, they had gone through so much. So to write like that scene where they hadn't quite made it to the other side yet, it was really, it was really difficult to write. Um, aside from that, it's funny because the stuff that's actually hard, like genuinely difficult for me to write is like the in-between fluff stuff. Um, (laughs) you know, it's, so it's like the harder scenes, the emotional written scenes, um, usually those flow pretty easily. I feel generally really connected to those um and can get them out aside from sometimes where it's just emotionally hard to do it but yeah usually that's where I thrive and it's just that like kind of tedious like one scene to another (laughs) gotta keep a paragraph here you know that kind of thing that's harder for me Okay. You, you mentioned earlier in our chat that you were planning to put Still Beating Out under a pen name or a pseudonym. Obviously, yes. you do that. Have you considered putting other books out under a pen name or a pseudonym? You know, um, there is one that I I do have a little bit written of that I'm considering a pen name for um, just because it, it's definitely way outside my normal um, dark romance, I guess. Still Beating was the darkest book I wrote, but this one would be like next level dark romance. It has tons and tons of triggers. So I'm really nervous to put that under my name because I don't want someone to read that book first and then not read the rest of my stories because it's too much. Um, Because sometimes you can put all the trigger warnings and someone will read it anyway and then just be like horrified. So, um, so yeah, there is one story that I am tempted to. I don't, I don't know yet. I think I need to go into it thinking that I will do a pen name just so I, I write bravely and I'm not, I don't hold back. And then at the end, I'll, I'll, you know, what I decided to do. <laughs> you know, there's an audience for that. Oh, for sure. <laughs> right. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> so we were refreshing our memory and we were going back and rereading your books uh, leading up to this. And I am always curious about the research that you have to do for your story. So last week I just finished Lotus, which by the way, that's my favorite. I love oh, this My absolute <laughs> favorite. I don't know why. I just, uh, I love all Aww. of them so much. I love all yeah. your stories, but man, I just love him. So, okay. I could gush all day about him. <laughs> but he goes, I, as I was reading the scene where he goes through hypnosis therapy, and I just thought to myself, I wonder if Jennifer has ever done hypnosis therapy, like as research for this character or for your book. So did mm-hmm. you do that to see what it's I did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't actually talk to like an actual um hypnosis doctor or anything or hypnotist. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did a ton of research just online and um 
scoured forums and just try to get as close to accurate as possible. Um, yeah, none of my, none of it is ever just, I mean, there was one lady that I talked to and that was for my heart song duet. And she uh, had a child with the same heart condition as my character. So mm -hmm. she's the only person that I actually reached out to and got, you know, real life, you know, information and facts from. Um, other than that, it's really just the internet's a beautiful place sometimes with, you know, so much information and it's just kind of pulling pieces from different places and kind of putting together what you feel, you know, is the most accurate and, you know, works for your story the best. Okay. It's just a question. <laughs> I was like, I was dying. I was like, I wonder if she did, <laughs> what, do, what kind of research does she do for each of her Yeah. <laughs> you you co-wrote The Thorns Remain with Shelley St. Clair and Entropy with um, E.R. White, which yes. I feel like are completely underrated. Those are phenomenal books. Mm. I still thank think for a year later. Oh, it's too. so good. So oh, my, thank you. My question is, what is the process like to write another book with another author? So those two experiences were vastly different. Um, with Shelley, it's probably an experience I'll never be able to recreate. I had actually written The Thorns Remain um, earlier, and I shelved it. Um, it I basically I sent it out to a publisher. I got picked up, and then the publisher went under. So I got the book back months and months later, and I read through it, and I'm like, this is crap. I cannot, <laughs> I cannot put this out there. This is terrible. Um, it was my first time writing first-person point of view. Um, after coming off a third person, and it was just not great writing, um, let's be honest. So I was like, I'm not good at editing. That's not my strong suit. Generally, my muse flows when I'm in the zone and I'm, you know, getting the words out at the time. So going back and rewriting is really hard for me. Um, so I had Shelly read it and she read it and she's like, oh, there's, there's a ton of potential here. This is a great story, great characters. It just needs, you know, a little bit of oomph. Um, so it was my husband's idea. He's like, why don't you just have Shelly kind of like rewrite it with you? Um, so she did. She went chapter by chapter. She she put a ton of word count in on her own. She switched a lot of stuff around. Um, and that it just kind of became a blend of both of us. So we're both really proud of that book. Um, it was a super fun experience. And we definitely want to write again together. It would just be a different we have no idea what it'll be like passing chapters <laughs> back and forth. So <laughs> it'll probably be a lot of fun. Um, cause we really play off of, you know, each other really well. Um, and then with ER white, that was a totally different experience. Cause we did the whole bouncing chapters. Like she'd write one, then I'd write one. And we had a deadline. It was for an anthology. So we were kind of, you know, crunch for time first co-writing experience for both of us. Um, so that one was a little more stressful, but it was still a lot of fun. Uh, ER white is super talented. She's just very poetic and has a great way with words. Um, so it was an honor to write with her and honor to write with Shelly. So so far, I've had really good experiences, and I know it's not always the case, so I feel very lucky. <laughs> I, I feel like those have gone so well because a lot of times I am I get like a little bit hesitant because I don't know how well it's going to flow. Like if you're going to hear right. the, the voices, you know, of the authors, and yes. I feel like both of those were so well done that you couldn't. It just seemed seamless throughout, and that was one of the conversations after Entropy that we had of you can't tell when you're switching authors. So the whole time, oh, like, who's writing what and what's? Oh, I'm so glad. But I don't yeah. want it. Like I want right. it. <laughs> you want to know, but you don't. You don't want to know while you're reading, but you want to know after the. Yeah, book. yeah. Because then for you, it's like we succeeded. We nailed this. So yeah, much. Um. So one of the things that we think about is, you know, uh, many authors, they will write little pieces or little nuggets of themselves into their characters, something small, minor, or something big. So do you find yourself 
relating to any of your characters by the things that you have incorporated about yourself into those characters? Or is that something that, because um, I- Yeah, so I didn't, I didn't usually, there's a couple characters that I feel like I did. And that was Sydney from Lotus. I, she's way cooler than me. Let's just be real here. But <laughs> I did incorporate a few of my quirks, like my love for 90s music. I'm obsessed with everything 90s. Um, and I'm an absolute terrible baker. Like I cannot for the life of me bake. Um, so those are little quirks that I added into, into Sydney's character. Um, and then I think that the female, the heroine, that's probably the most like me overall would probably be Lucy. Um, just super like very awkward, rambly, overthinking, like still optimistic and wants to be, you know, do good all the time, but just kind of like, you know, also just bungling, you know, that's just me. I'm clumsy, awkward. (laughs) Okay. Probably the most like me. I have to say how much I love that because I love Sydney. And when she was like singing and her and Oliver singing and, um, (laughs) the the bare naked ladies, was that the song? And I am a huge music buff. Like I love music. It makes me so happy. And I literally thought when I was reading this, I'm like, I wonder, I wonder (laughs) if this is just a little bit of her personality or if this is just the character that she's created. So yes. Yay. Yeah. There's a little me in there. (laughs) Well, you've always been open about how you and your husband collaborate on your book covers, which I absolutely love. Can you talk a little bit about the creative process for that? Yeah, um, it's generally a huge hot mess. Um, (laughs) I'm like terrible. (laughs) I'm absolutely terrible at coming up with something in my mind and relaying it to another person. So my poor husband, he's so patient with me. He does all these millions of like tries over and over. And I'd be like, okay, so he'll say it back to me, like, okay, so you want this, this, and this. I'm like, yes. He does it. And I'm like, no, that's not right. <laughs> um, so then we're back to the drawing board again. And um, it's he's always does great work. It's just me. Sometimes it's like I can't, I can't convey what I what I want. Um, I just don't, and I'm terrible at like decorating, like that kind of stuff, interior design, birthday parties, like I can't envision something and then and then do it. Um, so so yeah, that's always tricky, but he always knocks it out of the park. There's, there always comes a point where he's like, all right, you know what? Don't tell me anything. I'm just going to do something on my own. And then you can tell me, and then I'll be like, that's it. <laughs> that's what perfect. Help, what helps so, you? Yeah. What helps you decide between like a graphic design cover versus a human subject cover? Um, so generally I prefer like the discrete covers. I like objects and symbolism. Um, I had actually just made friends with, um, Rylan for the wrong heart. And then I met Justin through him, which he was the cover model for June 1st. Mm-hmm. And I just thought it'd be really cool to get them on a cover. Um, so it was really just kind of like we became friends and, you know, he, Rylan was hot boss at the time. So he had his own little following and it was his first book cover. It was my first cover with a guy on it. So we kind of just jumped into it together. Um, so it was a lot of fun. I do want to do a discreet cover for the wrong heart. We're kind of, my husband and I are working on something. I'm trying anyway. <laughs> We're trying <laughs> to do something with that, but I don't ever want to take that cover down because it, it means a lot to me. And, and you know, there's a friendship there and um, I, it just, you know, it, it has symbolism to me and significance versus just, you know, a pretty cover. So I might do like an alternate version. Um, unfortunately with Justin's cover with June 1st, it got picked up by a publisher. So I didn't have a choice in the matter. So that one's sadly leaving, um, but he understands that I'm going to try to, you know, get him maybe for something else. But yeah, I think overall I do prefer discrete when as a reader and as an author. So mm-hmm. going forward, I'll probably stick with that. 
Okay. So you've mentioned that you've worked with your husband on the covers and yes. I know in your author's note, I, I'm going to keep referencing Lotus because it's just, <laughs> but in the author's note, you said that he kind of helped you with the idea of this. <laughs> so one of our curiosities that we have is, do you ask him for his perspective when you're writing the opposite sex? And how much do you bounce ideas off of him when you're in the writing process? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so generally, when it comes to the male perspective, um, I don't generally go to him for that. For some reason, maybe I was a man in a past life, but generally the like the male heroes, they come to me easier than the, than the females do. Um, I usually just flow better with them, can get inside their heads for whatever reason. Um, however, when it comes to external plot points um, and getting from like point A to point B or get, working through a complicated twist or something like that, that is when I, I come crying for help. Um, he is very, very smart, very good at problem solving. So when I inevitably write myself into a brick wall, he helps me break it down. So, um, so yeah, he helped with a lot of different stories, especially on this last one that I just wrote. I have like a tricky underlying plot going on and he like, he's like, all right, send it to me. So he read through it and he completely saved my life on, on something. <laughs> so he definitely takes the village and he's my, I could not do it alone. Like it's definitely a team effort. Oh, I love that so um, much. Yeah. <laughs> you go hubby. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's so great. Okay. So there's a lot of crazy scenarios that your characters go through. Yes. So uh, we are curious, what is the strangest or craziest writing idea that you've had that actually made it into a book or didn't make it into a book? <clears throat> um, I would have to, I mean, I have to say the craziest off the wall idea was the whole basement stuff and still beating. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure I could top quite do, you know, quite that, I guess. I don't know, maybe, <laughs> but that feels like the most, that feels like the craziest thing for me that I have written. Um, and it was supposed to just be that. I was just going to write this like twisted little novella Mm -hmm. And um, they were never going to get out of the basement. They're just going to be there forever. Oh, um, but luckily, <laughs> luckily, the story kind of the characters started calling to me and I became way more invested in seeing what happened to them after that versus the actual basement stuff. But um, yeah, that was kind of twisted. So I'd say that. <laughs> I'm so glad they made it out of I the basement. Made it. <laughs> so she good. does. She does appreciate the tragic ending. I know. So. I know. I know. But, but she gives us our happily she ever does. after. So yes, I appreciate. Yes, you're <laughs> happy. So yeah. <laughs> I've always wondered about the business side of writing a book and publishing a book. So just in a scenario of like a dollar in book sales, what does the percentage breakdown look like for like publishers, authors, managers, things like that? Um, you know, it depends on what platform um, you're writing. I don't know what it's going to be like for traditional publishing. I have no clue yet. But um do you mean like the percent, like the royalties we make from like Amazon or? Yeah, I think so. Well, I'm just curious, like, do, do you get more money for an ebook or a hard copy book? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say we probably make the most off of paperback sale um, versus anything else. However, Kindle Unlimited has been super lucrative for, you know, certain writers. Um, so that's actually where like my, my bulk income actually comes from Kindle Unlimited, like 85% of my income probably comes from there. Um, Audible is really hit or miss. I had Still Beating and Lotus, which did phenomenal. And then I had to take them out because they're going with the publisher. And now I'm making like, you know, like pennies and Audible with my other couple books. So it really just depends, I guess, on the story. 
Um, and yeah, I would say paperbacks you generally make the most per sale on, but with all of the readers in Kindle Unlimited, it's just such a voracious reader pool that generally that's kind of where you make your living. How, how do library books work then? Do you, um, do you I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't have any books in library. I know, it makes me sad, but it's, <laughs> I, we love having your books on Kindle Unlimited. Though. Oh, for sure. Yes. <laughs> Okay, so we know that you love Pepper Winners. You've mentioned that. And as an yes. author, can you set and read and just enjoy reading the book? Or do you find yourself as you're reading that either one, you're kind of nitpicking a little bit like, oh, I would have written that differently. <laughs> like, mm, about that. Or do you find that it launches you into like brainstorming and then you start coming up with these ideas and then you have to set the book down because now you want to go write something <laughs> of your own? Not necessarily- yeah you know, taking like the creative idea, but it sparked something in you. Yeah. Um, I would say, I mean, I would say I probably read more just like a reader and I try to block out any type of, you know, work stuff, work related things. I generally am not thinking, you know, um, like, oh, I would change this or, you know, I generally can skim over if there's punctuation or grammar errors. Mm -hmm. Um, I kind of just get lost in the story and I, it, you know, writing takes the backseat for a while. However, I do think for an author, it is, it's good to read because it does just kind of stimulate that creativity inside of you and kind of sparks that, you know, um, that part of your brain. So when you are done reading, I feel like it helps you just get into that creative zone. Um, so I do think there's a healthy balance between um, reading and writing. It's, I don't want to say it's like homework, but it feels like it's, for me, it's necessary to read, even though I can separate it from writing, but it helped, it helps me become a better writer, I think. I love that. So you mentioned earlier about the the interaction on Instagram with the connection with the reader from the wrong heart. Is there yeah. is there a, like a best or more most memorable uh, fan interaction outside of social media that just really stands out to you? Yeah. Um, gosh, I've been doing a lot more signings and it is so fun read, or, uh, meeting the readers. It's been amazing. Um, I've had readers cry when they meet me which has definitely been the most, that's been the craziest thing is when people like cry and or they're like shaking and, and I'm shaking cause I'm nervous and I'm super awkward. You know, I'm like, oh, I'm like, nobody, I'm super lame. I don't know why you're <laughs> crying, but, um, it's so like, it's just incredible. It feels like a, it, it's surreal. Um, and a really fun experience was I had a reader, she like made like homemade moonshine and she had us like do a shot at the table. It was like, it was really strong. Um, but it was good. It was really good. So that was, it was really fun. So when it, the experiences can be kind of personalized like that. That's always really exciting. I love that. <laughs> we want to come to a signing. I know. I yeah. see you're coming. Is it Denver next year? I am. Yes. I'm so excited. I love Denver too. I was like, uh, yes. I'll be there for that. I'm so <laughs> Okay. So, uh, well, we're leading into that. You recently um, just announced um, a new book that is coming out in 2024. It's Tabitha yes. and Gabe. I'm so Yay! excited. And I can, I was the person that was like, I need more of these people, <laughs> so, you know, everybody else will probably be like, no, it was me, but no, it was Sarah. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> I want the series. I want the series. So yes. what do you do to celebrate a book release? Like what, what does a day look like for a book release or a week? Do you have this big celebratory thing with your family or do you do something special for yourself? Yeah, um, nothing too crazy. Usually when I feel more celebrating, like when I finish writing a book, because it's just such like, it's such a relief. It's just this like, amazing feeling like, oh my gosh, I did it. 
Um, so generally we'll like go out to dinner or I'll crack open a bottle of wine or something. Um, release day when I release the book is, is I have a lot of nerves that day. Cause you never know, like you're going to get people like, Oh my God, I hated this. You're going to see like, you know, bad reviews everywhere. So I get more anxiety on release day, even though it's still really exciting. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, generally I'll just kind of like hang low and read and, you know, obsessively stalk my, my social media every now and then. But um, yeah, I mean, we'll just go out to dinner, nothing too crazy, family stuff. <laughs> We're very, very excited about the 2024 release of Tabitha's story. Is there anything oh that God. you want to share with our listeners about the stars are on our side? Yeah, gosh, it is. Um, this has been a long time coming. I knew it was going to be a challenge to write this book, um, not just from a structural standpoint, because I had to bring in like, so there's actually three different books that I had to weave in here. So we have um, we have still beating, we have Lotus. And then I also have the thorns remain, um, mm -hmm. because Evan is going to be a primary character in the book because he is the writer that is, um, interviewing Tabitha for her story. So I had to keep like referencing all these books and be like, oh my gosh, I wrote this line in here. That's ruining this. And, you know, you never know when you're writing the book, what's going to affect another book in the future. So, so that was hard, but it was also a challenge because I, you know, what's coming, like, you know, what happens in the basement and you know, it's, it's sad. So I knew I was going to struggle. Um, I really debated kind of oh, like kind of working quickly through those scenes and just kind of talking about them like in hindsight and in the past. But I felt like I was really doing the story and the character of Tabitha disservice by not like being in the moment with her during those scenes. So it definitely made it harder. And um, I kind of want readers to it's obviously not a love triangle because we know what happens to one of the, the males in the story. Um, but you might have that feeling because I want you to fall in love with Matthew, who's the one in the basement with her. And we want you to fall in love with Gabe as well. Um, so it, it's hard because it's like, oh, what if they like this one better? And, you know, cause you want, you want to be rooting for Gabe, but I want you to also fall in love with Matthew too, because just like Tabitha did, you want to feel her struggle and her heartache and why she is like she is now because of what happened to her. So yeah, it was really, it's been a hard book to write. Um. I'm basically done. I've written the book. I'm just going back and kind of reworking some some scenes. But yeah, I'm I'm really excited to share. I hope I hope you guys like it. <laughs> I love it. We're gonna, We're gonna love, love it. it. You're you're an auto buy for us. Oh, oh thank you, thank you. Like when we finished binging you, when we discovered you, I was kind of like sad and a little bit. <laughs> I thought there's, there's nothing sure. else. There's nothing else. And then I think entropy came out and yeah. we were, yeah. like, we had something and then June 1st and it was just a good year and you know, yay, yeah. right. <laughs> well, Jennifer, do you have anything else that you would like to share with our listeners before we say goodbye? Oh my gosh. Just thank you so much. Um, this hit, you guys have made my dreams come true. I mean, this wasn't even like a dream. This was like something I never, ever anticipated happening. It was like a wildest, wildest dream. So the fact that it's happening, the fact that, you know, I can travel to signings and my husband's with me as my PA, like we can do this together, um, that I can write love stories and make you guys feel things and believe in love is just, it's, it's amazing. Like, I don't, I don't even have the words I should, but I don't. It's just, it makes me speechless sometimes. Like I can't even fathom it. So Thank you all. Thank you, you know, listeners, readers, um, fellow authors. You guys have made my life incredible, and I wouldn't be here without you. 
Thank you so much for the work that you share with us. We just, we love the emotional ride that we go with you on each one of your stories. And thank you so much for taking time to chat with us about your work and and everything and celebrating our first birthday. We're so honored to have you as our guest today. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. The honor is mine. I appreciate it. Well, have a great evening. It's great to talk to you. You too. Thanks guys. Bye. That concludes our birthday episode with our discussion with Jennifer Hartman. We hope you enjoyed the conversation with us. We'd love to connect with you on social media. You can find us on Instagram at Postbook Depression Podcast. You can join our Postbook Depression discussion group on Facebook, and you can always email us at postbookdepressionpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, keep reading. <laughs>